Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. If you've come to church ready to receive from His Word and brought your Bible, because it's a good thing to bring your Bible to church, then I'm going to ask you to turn to page 974. If you've got a Bible like mine, it's on 974, also known as the book of James. And uh, we're going to start from right at the beginning of the book of James, James 1. Um, but I'll give you a moment to get there by giving you a little bit of context. Uh, the writer of James is in a time in history, probably not too dissimilar to our day and our age, where there's a lot of contention going on. It's pretty clear that where every single person on this globe lives, there have been significant challenges of recent time with humanity. I was encouraged, though, yesterday driving here, seeing how cheap your petrol was compared to our petrol, but I'm sure you feel your petrol's expensive. Well, truth be told, we are up over $3 a litre, and God is still good. Uh, (laughs) But this passage that we're about to read, only a short few verses... It's out of this concept or this idea where James is wanting you and I to understand that in the times we live, we must live with both faith and endurance. Now, it doesn't take much into each one of our days when we get up to face some sucky news. It doesn't take much when you flip open the Herald or the news or the app on your phone to find out what's going on in the world by and large, chances have it, it will be bad news before it's good news. We are inundated with the reality that life sucks a whole lot and it seems to be crumbling around us. But we're going to go on a journey today to discover that despite what's happening around us, because of God and His goodness, because of Jesus and what He's done, you and I can live with both faith and endurance through this incredible, incredible gift Jesus gives us known as joy. And it says this in verse two of James one, dear brothers and sisters, that's you and I, when troubles come your way, oh, if troubles come your way would be how I would write it. (laughs) When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for disappointment. No, it doesn't say that. When troubles come our way, when the world we live in is in the state that is in right now, consider it a great opportunity for joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you're anything like me, when troubles come my way, I try and push them away. But James says, consider this an opportunity for it to change your life for the better. And then he goes on to say, so make sure you make the decision to let it grow. Embrace the world we are in right now. Because how many know we may live in this world, but we're not of this world. But if you're like me, there are all too many days that come and go at times where we succumb to the pressure of everything around. 
and we lose the opportunity to recognize this is good news because joy is available. I've titled this message, Joy-Full, because I think God doesn't want us just to have joy, but he wants us to be full of joy. Father, we thank you that here in this incredible school holiday Sunday, you're at work. We thank you as we've worshipped you. Your word declares where two or three are gathered and lift the name of Jesus, you're in the midst. Lord God, we thank you. Your word declares that it will never return void. And as we come around your word, as we engage with your presence, whether we're here for the first or second time, or maybe we've been here for forever, I pray that you would speak to each one of us in the way only you can. Go beyond natural circumstance or natural comprehension. And Lord, would you speak? Would you lead and would you guide? We thank you that all we have is because of you. And we honor you. We take a moment to recognize it. I pray it wouldn't just be another message I preach or another message we hear, Lord, but you would speak in and through me to every single one of us in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had a song stuck in your head before. Maybe online you can think of it right now. Maybe you're in the room. There is the song when you grow up as kids, certainly from New Zealand. I've heard many times over now that I have kids and it goes something annoyingly like, this is the song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friend. And it just goes round and round. Does anyone know that song? No? Good. Okay. Trust me, you don't want to know it. (laughs) But as I was preparing my heart for this message, I was reminded of some of the good old Christian classics. And maybe there's some more mature people in the room that can... Remember these ones better than me, but there's one that used to go, joy is the flag flowing high from the castle of my heart. What? Castle of my... Anyone with me on that one? Yeah, yeah. Pastor Danny definitely is. Yes. (laughs) Pastor Tony and Kath. And these great songs that would get embedded in who you are, right? They kind of, when I was growing up, were in the cringe category, being a teenager. But I kept reciting this one I remember really well from my early days as a Christian and a kid, and it's it's sung this way. Now, excuse, I don't have the good voice in our family. That's my wife's job, but I'll give it a crack. It's like, says this, I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart today. Oh, I'm so happy, so very happy, because I got the love of Jesus in my heart. (laughs) Yes, thank you, thank you. I won't be here next week for your sake, but anyway... But I took a moment to reflect past the cringe factor of these songs. And, you know, the truth is that song is very theologically strong. We so often strive for happiness. If I could just be happy. If I could just get the result. If I could just get the pay rise. If I could just get the promotion. If... Petrol could just be under $3, my current reality. (laughs) We try and obtain happiness, and I'm all for feeling happy. I love that feeling. But the truth is, when you do a little bit of understanding, you think long enough, happiness is very circumstantial. (laughs) Very circumstantial. It's based around a circumstance, whereas joy, as the song so brilliantly puts it, is a conviction that comes from the depths of who we are. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. When you and I recognize what we have in Christ and the joy we now live with, when troubles come, it's a you beauty moment. 
because it's a moment where I'm going to grow and a moment where other people may be chasing after happiness are going to find this hard because I've got joy as a conviction. I'm going to be able to help not only myself, but others through where I live. So the question is really simple. For us in the room or online, am I living out of circumstance or conviction? If I was to ask you, explain your best day. Ruby's been saying for the last few days, this is my best day of my life ever. And that's because she's getting spoiled and I know it's only for three days and then we're back to reality in New Zealand. But the comment is coming out of experience that's circumstantial, that if I was to take that away, that comment wouldn't be there. Because we so easily as human beings chase after the happiness that something or someone, could I say, brings. But as I've discovered, the word joy that James is talking about in the scripture has a Greek translation and it's known as kara. And you see, this is important that you and I understand this because kara is derived from the word charis. And in the Greek, that is the word for grace. See, it's important to note this because it tells us categorically that kara, joy, is produced by the charis of God, the grace of God. This means joy is not a human-based happiness that comes and goes. Joy is in fact an inner gladness. It's a deep-seated pleasure. It's a depth of assurance and a depth of confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. It's a cheerful heart, as we're going to understand, that, believe, that leads to cheerful behavior. Joy is not an experience that comes from a favorable circumstance, but it's God's gift to his believers. Because grace doesn't come any other way to you and I except through Jesus. You can't earn grace. You can't measure up to grace. You can't chase after grace. You can encounter grace. And you can actually live with grace when you say yes to a relationship with Jesus. So although we may say we're chasing after joy, I think it would be important for us to acknowledge if it's circumstantial, it's only happiness. And that if I want the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, I have to not chase an outcome, but I have to live with a conviction that I live with grace and therefore joy on the inside. So simply, the question, if you're writing notes because you want to get to heaven, jot this down. Am I full of it? Because <laughs> the truth is, Seasons come and seasons go, and I'll be the first to admit our joy gets robbed from us. I had to make a decision in this recent season with Pastor Paul's health to not allow joy to disappear. Despite a stage four cancer prognosis, I would make sure that my hope was not in his healing, but my hope was in Jesus. I'm the first to be praying every single day for his healing, trust me. But I'm not allowing the outcome of a circumstance to determine whether or not I live free and full of joy. 
See, we know that we may not be able to control our circumstances, the price of petrol or the price of broccoli. (laughs) But according to James, we can apparently control how we think and now behave about our circumstances. If you're like me, I'm a bit of a control freak, like ducks in a row. I want to control the circumstance. But what happens when life throws you a curveball where it's like, this isn't fair? Again, I'll talk from my personal experience, but how does someone who has, for 30 plus years in the reality of life, but 40 plus years in his own life, serve God faithfully, integrally, live his life in a way, in my opinion, that has never been for himself, but for everyone else? How does that work when he now has to climb a mountain known as melanoma stage four cancer? When the doctor rings with the family there and says, you've got three tumors in the brain. What? You've got it riddled through your body. This is not fair. I can't control this. But what I can do is control how I respond to what is in our way. We think for some reason as Christians it's all going to be perfect. Christians are better than anyone else, but we are saved. And as we're discovering, we can actually live set free, even though we find ourselves in the same world everyone lives in. So are the tough times in your life a withdrawal of who we are or a deposit of who God is? Because if James says the tough things are an opportunity, consider it an opportunity. (laughs) And that opportunity is going to lead to joy, The joy and the endurance are going to lead to a better outcome. We're going to go further and further, line upon line, heartbreak upon heartbreak. (laughs) Then am I feeling in myself when another trial comes my way that it's a withdrawal or an opportunity for a deposit from God? See, the devil, I believe, who is a very real and very intent Spirit wanting to derail our lives and our faith. He would love nothing more than when the troubles come our way to cause you and I to give up. And if he can't cause us to give up, then he'll do his best to cause us to sin because in our sin we know we need to do better and so then we eventually give up. And so when troubles come our way, we've got to make one of two decisions. Do we run to God or do we run from God? However, we see, as James puts it, because of who Jesus is and the grace he's already extended to us, the trials are an opportunity for his grace to now be purified in who we are. It's not about just staying calm in trial, but it's actually about being joyful in all seasons and at all times. And so I thought we would go on a little journey for the next few moments today And I hope they're as as practical as they can be for every single one of us, whether you're online in the room, here for the first time, or like myself, been here a while. I've looked at, I guess, three key joy activators. If you said, well, I get all of that, Luke, and that makes a whole lot of sense, but life sucks right now. What is it that you would encourage yourself with as much as us today in terms of how do we activate joy in the trial? So number one, I believe... A joy activator is gratitude. I think it's a dying art in our society. What is gratitude? Well, it's having a thankful and appreciative heart for what you have 
now. Each and every day I have to make sure I come to the answer of yes when I ask the question, have I thanked God today for today? So when you got up this morning, did you thank God for the fact that you got up this morning? The Bible says nothing is ever confirmed in our future and so therefore gratitude must kick in where we recognize if it wasn't for him, as we've already heard today, we wouldn't be here. Psalm 100 verse 1 to 5 in the Amplified Version puts it this way. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. Verse 3. Know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us not we ourselves, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. His faithfulness endures to all generations. See, this isn't just a 21st century reality, but gratitude, we understand in the Bible and the Old Testament was a key ingredient for people to see the provision of God in their time and in their day. If you know the story of the Israelites, they were wandering in the wilderness and to cut a long story short, because it was a long time, the journey shouldn't have taken that long, but there's humans involved, so yay, go humans. (laughs) They get to a point where God sends what is known in the Bible as manna. And we won't go through the detailed understanding of what that is, but basically for the sake of time, God fed the people of God supernaturally. But it was interesting that they had to go and get the food each and every day for the day at hand. In fact, it says that some people thought they were smarter than God and they gathered some for tomorrow. Some people might call that good planning, But God said, no, this is a daily portion for what you need. And what happened with the stored up food the next day? By overnight, it was rotten. God wanted to teach the Israelites that no matter where you may find yourself in the wilderness and the suckiest points of humanity or life, I will be there every step of the way. But it starts with gratitude for what you have today. How many of us, guilty as charged, my hands up, that live for tomorrow, but if there's one good thing COVID taught us, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And so we actually have to get back to a place of thankfulness and appreciation for who God is and what he's doing in our wilderness. And when we trust him at his word, joy starts to activate. You know, in times of darkness, and certainly in this recent time in my life, I've had to remind myself to go back to the moments of light of how God has been faithful, to remember that God's done it before and be able to trust him that in this moment, I know he will do it again. There's a great man in the Bible, Nehemiah, and he phrased it this way, the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
When joy is down, 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 down in the depths of who you are, it becomes your strength in the battle when you feel weakest. This is why I believe every Christian on planet earth that loves God and follows his word should be a trophy of his goodness and grace where people say, I don't know half of what you're about, but because of something on your life, I want to know about it because it makes sense. And you seem to be winning and seem to be happy and seem to be, you know, all good. Whereas we know it to be God's grace that's exuberated through joy. So not only gratitude, but joy activators. The second thing, if you're here in the room or online, I want you to write this down, is generosity. Now, when I say the word generosity, 90% of us will probably say that's about dollars and cents. True, it's an aspect of generosity when it comes to finance, but I'm talking about generosity with our lives. So first we must actually just say, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here. Gratitude. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm certainly not where I was because of God's goodness. But God is here in this moment. But more importantly, he was here before this moment. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be in this moment. But then we move to generosity. What is generosity? It's about living with liberty, (laughs) with abundance, about actually going the extra mile. So the question is, what do I have to give? Because when I think about current day circumstances I've touched on, my life is full of inflation. (laughs) I'm in school holidays, so it's a real grind as a parent. (laughs) Sorry, it might be too practical for some people today. I'm feeling like there are moments or seasons or circumstances where I'm pushing water up a hill with a broomstick. So in those moments, we ask ourselves, well, what do I have to give? Because I'm just barely getting by. These are moments we're all going to face. In fact, you might be in one of these moments right now. But again, the Bible teaches us through this incredible widow that the prophet Elijah asked to make a meal for. She said, hey, I don't have enough for me and my son. Don't come ask me, man of God, to provide for you. I just got enough to get by myself. But isn't it interesting that God, who was in that moment through the prophet Elijah, said, no, if you put others and me first, generous, with that liberty spirit, (laughs) applying an over and above even when you have none, you will not go without. Again, sake of time, but the story is a powerful story of someone who trusted God and lived their life for God first and for others second. And they started to see the providence of what God did. Because generosity will cause you and I to focus on a solution rather than the problem. This is why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. Well, that doesn't make any sense here on earth. If I give away, I, I, I miss out. Pretty simple equation. I passed math, so that makes sense. I have five, I give five, I have none. But the kingdom of God doesn't work the way we work. And therefore, God is saying, if you would trust me and be generous with your life, you will see my generosity come your way. And this is where the joy starts to come because you go, oh, it wasn't about what I could manufacture. Despite the world I'm living in or the circumstance I find myself in, God is still God. 
God is still good. And now I live not just with a gratitude for who he is, but I live with a generosity for what he's called me to do. This is why our founding pastor, Pastor Paul, can stand up and declare faith, even though the prognosis is anything but a good outcome. Why is that? Because he's got the joy, 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 joy down in his heart. And in fact, if you know Pastor Paul, I don't think you'd meet a more generous person, to be honest. And the generosity flows in season and out of season because he's discovered that when he trusts his life into the hand of God and lives in a generous way, God's provision prevails. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, Let us keep our eyes, this is what we heard already today, fixed on circumstance. No. Fixed on Jesus. Why is this important? Because our faith depends from beginning to end. Jesus did not give up because of the cross. Actually, on the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him. That is a stupid statement to make in the context of that. But such a profound one because of the joy set before Jesus going to the cross. What? Who was and what was his joy? You and I. Because of you and I that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he is now seated at the right hand. He thought nothing of what the trouble, the trial, the tribulation he was about to endure. Why? Because of the joy that awaited him. I always remind myself that even on my worst day, Jesus's was worse. And if Jesus could live a life in such a way that was generous to you and I that were yet to even live or breathe here on this earth, then I think we've got a lot we can do when it comes to activating joy by being generous in all areas of our life. And then thirdly, as the team are going to come and join me, I don't want you to be distracted, but the third word, yes, it starts with G as well. That's what I've been taught from Pastor Paul. Gratitude, generosity, and guidance. See, I think when we get gratitude, I think when we live generosity, but then I think when we get to a place where our life is dependent on the guidance of God, we actually start to live not just saved, but set free. So let's ask it this way first. What is leading you? Is it your bank account? Is it your boss? School holidays? So is it your kids? Is it your energy levels? (laughs) Is it your family? Is it the prognosis? Or is it God's word? And more importantly, if it's God's word, then we know who is leading us. Because there's something called truth that is far stronger and greater than our trials. And this is why James encourages us because truth is able to withstand mockers, abusers, liars, and even able to transcend death as we see in Jesus' life. But I do know this from growing up in church 
that coming to church on a Sunday is never going to be enough for the reality of truth to drown out the trial. We have to apply the reading of His Word. We have to apply the solitude moments in our week to say, I'm turning everything else off right now and I'm turning God on right now. (laughs) I'm taking a moment to be reminded that truth And as God's word says, when you know the truth, it sets you free. It has the power over the trial. We need to search out the scriptures. We need to nurture them and not let them go because they not only soothe our nerves, but they remind us of the hope we have in Jesus. And as Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You and I need to write these things down. We need to memorize them. As someone once said in a joke and jest, we need to tattoo them to our eyelids. (laughs) That the scriptures would be the truth we live by, not the bank account or the prognosis, not the price of petrol or the challenge it is in the world we live in, but the scripture of God's word. And maybe you know a little bit about Pastor Paul's journey with his cancer battle. I've touched on a little bit, but there is this statement or these two words that have been declared over life for this year as a part of where we, what we believe this year would be. And it is, but God. And you'll find many references in scripture to but God. But the truth is where this came from was that when one of my brothers was driving to the family meeting, because it was COVID, we weren't able to be in the room with the doctor, it was a phone call to find out what was going on. He felt God say, but God. He didn't know what the circumstance was. He just had a sense it wasn't great if we're all getting pulled together. And when we had a time as a family of prayer, he didn't pray, didn't feel comfortable to pray in that moment. But after we all prayed, he said, hey, I I don't know what to pray, but I just want to say this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me where I'm at right now but I just felt like God say to me in the car but God truth be told that has been a statement that's helped many people this year hold on despite the prognosis to hold on in spite of circumstance to actually say you know what God I don't feel it maybe in my feeling right now happiness But the joy I'm holding on to, I'm going to declare that despite where I find myself, but God is faithful. Despite the prognosis, but God is healer. Despite what we face, but God I will trust. And through the guidance of who He is, joy starts to rise. It's amazing how when we come back to Jesus and His leading and His guiding, then it actually brings gratitude. And again, when you live with gratitude, it gives you and I the strength to be generous to others, which ultimately, this is why it's more blessed to give than receive. There is nothing greater on planet Earth than you helping make someone else's day. Guarantee it. Try it one day. Going through the local Maccas, pay for the person behind you and sit in their way. They'll get annoyed at you because you're in their way. But you're watching in the rear view mirror. When they go to pay and someone says, no, that's covered the car in front of you. Oh, well, that frown turns upside down real quick. And you get a kick out of it because you are able to live generous. Joy comes through gratitude, generosity, and guidance. And I've found in this last season more than ever 
That worship has been a significant go-to to remind me God is still God and God is still good. God is faithful. And when I come back to allowing Him and His presence to lead and guide me, joy starts to be restored. So the team are going to sing the song in a moment, just for a couple of moments. We might sing just a couple of verses or a chorus. And I want you just to take a moment to sit in God's presence. And then I'm going to ask you to consider whether maybe you've lost your gratitude. Maybe you've lost the spirit of generosity. Maybe you've lost the guidance of His presence, of His Word. And then we're going to sing together and just activate again our dependence on Him because I'm going to believe in this moment as they first sing over us and then as we make a decision to stand and sing, the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. And we're going to see, despite circumstance of the world we live in, a true and a deep and a lasting joy when we encounter His grace. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life, and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.